0: So Matt, we've been asked to tell people all about the new Autocar Electric podcast, brought to you in association with Audi e-tron. What can they expect to hear? Well, James,
1: it's a new podcast from the world's leading motoring title, where we'll look at every aspect of all-electric driving.
0: Will I learn more from Autocar's road test team about the newest and best electric cars, and which are most fun to drive?
1: You will. We'll also look under the metal, talking to designers and engineers from across the industry to find out more about what makes electric cars tick.
0: But what about the bigger EV picture? Topics like charging and sustainability.
1: Well, we'll be asking big questions of independent experts from right across the industry. And where can I find all this? It's easy. Just search your preferred podcast platform for Autocar Electric.
0: Oh, and just one last question. Is there a charge for this plug? Oh, James. This is the Autocar Electric podcast brought to you in association with Audi.
1: Hello and welcome to another of Autocar's EV podcast, the Autocar Electric series, I think it's called. I am Matt Pryor, I'm Autocar's editor at large, and I'm delighted to be joined by contributor James Disdale. Hello, James. Hello. And uh, chassis and vehicle dynamics guru, David Book. Hello, David.
0: Hello. Now, for those of you who don't know David, he's had a long and distinguished career in the automotive industry, and is the he's had a hand in cars such as the Jaguar S-Type R, uh, original Range Rover Sport, um, the Jaguar XE-based Project 8, uh, now he's a highly respected industry consultant and he's also the founder of Life 110, which makes Alpine, uh, Alpine sorry mm-hmm. A110s even better to drive, don't you? I do. Yes. Yeah.
1: Thank you for having me. No, not at all. So he's joining us this week as we dissect whether EVs can be good to drive and if so, how. So in the last episode available in all the places you get your favourite podcasts, we discussed uh, Autocar's recent EV or well, fun EV handling test and the cars that did and uh, didn't do it for us. And we also ponder the future of the driver's car in an all-electric future. But we thought, um, from that point of view, it would be good to take a deeper dive into the subject and ask someone who actually knows what they're talking about, <laughs> rather than us, uh, about the challenges of developing an engaging EV. Yeah. Has it taken a while for manufacturers to get on top of the some of those advantages? In, I remember some sort of early EVs felt quite stiff, felt like the, the ride was pretty firm pretty hard in a way that people have suddenly maybe thought to themselves, Well, we've got this mass to deal with, we'd better make anti roll bars thick or whatever to to do that. But maybe you don't maybe it's not maybe that's not such a thing as they've l- realised it's, you know, they don't roll so much and so on and so forth. Is that fair? are they better to drive than they used to be?
2: Uh I think they are. I think time is always a massive factor in the world of vehicle development because um development cycles are so short in these days, you're talking of a, you know, time of we're going to make a car to selling it of three years, and a three year cycle is really, really short. So you're doing a lot of that work virtually, and then you have to decide virtually what is good and what is not, you know, so if you come back to the what makes a good driving car, I think fun and good are not necessarily the same thing. Mm. So good is like a level of competency that you can measure and define, you know, so how much it rolls, how loud it is, um, how fast it is, you know, they, you can get metrics around competency that you can use virtually, but um, having a measurement of fun is, you know, I don't think anyone's done that yet. Mm. And and that's the, the bit that comes later. So and um, So you've got an amount of metrics or measurements that define what the car will be when you make it that are only so long. So there's bits you're missing. So the way you shorten that time is to use as much from what you knew before. Mm. So some of your metrics or measurements might be like, well, we're going to make this car behave the same as the one we did last time because then we know how to do that. Or we're going to make it, have all of these levels of competency, but we haven't got that much time at the end to refine and find that real difference in how the things interact. So um, I think it's natural in the development cycle of cars to release a car, and then the engineers know on the day of release how much better it could be. Mm. So they'll do another three years, and they'll make it better. And I don't think there's ever necessarily a new learning or new technology in those time frames it's just time spent refining and understanding and oh we don't need the roll bars to be as stiff as they used to be because of is lower for example or we don't need the damping to be as stiff because the inertia is less and it controls itself more so things you'd things you carried over from the car you did before so not necessarily actual parts but Uh, measurements or targets don't necessarily apply because these things have changed and you learn that and then you just get better over time so so I, I think it's natural that cars do get better and I think EVs will get better at a faster rate because there's more of a gap to fill but I don't think there's anything necessarily fundamentally different about them that makes them need something unique okay
0: Okay, I mean, just talking about that, going back to that COG, because the battery's low and it, the masses are centred. Now, you made a point last time about the fact that the physics are probably right, but because you've got a big battery in the floor, you as a driver are raised up. So it yep. goes, it did goes, I make like that point? You did make oh, that, that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and whether that goes what you're talking about, competency, I guess, and then fun and feel. Is there something... As you're developing a car, do you do you realise your hit points higher? And though you know the car is, it's got a lower centre of gravity and it's responding better, but you don't necessarily feel it as a driver because you're sat up high. You can't get low enough to have that engaged feeling with the car.
2: Um, I would say my, well, from a if I try and rationalise that, um, I don't think it's any difference from sitting in an SUV to sitting yeah. in a estate car. Mm. So. Um, now the roll axis of the suspension is fifty to hundred mil off the ground you know so it's quite close to the ground the CFg is going to be four hundred millimeters in an eV or 600 in a petrolino. so there there is a CFG move but the CG is still a distance above the roll axis so it will roll the same but less because the C is closer to the roll axis so the car will An EV will naturally roll less if everything's left the same. Um, What that allows you to do is to run smaller roll bars because to achieve the same roll angle during a corner, you don't need the suspension to be as stiff in roll because the CFG is lower. Um, And then it affects how you're going to do the damping between heave and roll because they're closer together in frequency. So I I think it's just about those things being subtly different but I don't think there's like a um I don't think it's about where the battery is and your placement to it mm. unless there's you know some differences in the inertias because the roller inertia is a lot less of an EB. um so I, I think it's just about it feeling a little bit different mm. um in my mind I, I also would say um you might have experienced some things where you think, well, this is not what I expected. And it may just be getting better with time and it could be better. Um, And it could be that the targets for an EV are different. So if you get slightly philosophical for a moment, um, an EV, for example, you might have smaller tyres, you might have lower rolling resistance tyres because you're trying to maximize range um and there's there's things like that where because it's trying to deliver a subtly different balance of targets one of the results might be that those tires feel soft mm. in the way the car is and rolls um and that's just one of those things you know and if you were to put more normal tyres on the car it would actually feel like something you're more used to but then
1: it would start to eat away at range
2: Straight away,
1: is there is there a is there a, uh, a point to be made there about aerodynamics as well? In that some sportier cars might have sort of lip spoilers, and I know these sort of things don't add loads of downforce, but I think you've talked about the difference that five ten kilos you know could make in a in a fastish corner. Yeah, with a very lip spoiler <clears> or <throat> something like that, which I don't know on an EV, somebody might go, I'd better not put that one."
2: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, um, I can only talk from. Um, experience with um, my background so if you notice an I-Pace has a lip spoiler on the back of mm-hmm. the boot every I-Pace has that yeah. standard um, and that's much against the wishes of design and the reason it's there is to meet lift targets because it's still a car that performs a function and can go fast and all those sorts of things so from an aerodynamic drag and lift perspective it needed that to meet target so um in that regard there was no compromise to be made because it was being an ev It just had to have it but also an ev has a flat floor there's no reason why it shouldn't Hmm. so its ability to have a good balance of drag and and lift should also be advantageous um so um so again i think that there. It's that competency argument. It should deliver less roll, it should deliver good drag, it should deliver good lift characteristics, you know, all those things are a should. Mm. They they should be there. Um, so if you try and rationalise why they're not quite there yet, then I think it's subtle differences in engineers just understanding how they need to be a little bit different in terms of the the tune. So I, I think that they'll get there. Um, but thinking they'll get there is the different is different to them being there right now because yeah. if a cu- if an EV was you know done and delivered then everyone would know what the answer was, wouldn't they? Yeah. But um, I I mean,
0: map- sorry, I just about to say to so talk about getting there, we're, we're obviously banging on about weight and make it sound like a bad thing. Are there things as a dynamics engineer you look at with EVs that things this is really good? I can use this. I can make the car do stuff. That would have been harder to achieve with an internal combustion engine
2: De- definitely in the powertrain perspective if you have more than one motor yes so um the ability to have a front and rear motor or you know four motors You know, the four motor potential is enormous um you only have to look at what rimac are doing don't you turn mm-hmm. to, to the way that can manipulate driving behaviour and vehicle dynamics is hugely, hugely powerful. Um, but as ever, it's hugely complicated at the same time. Mm. So refining that to feel integrated is a, is a huge, huge job. Um, as it is with all uh, modern tech systems. Uh, in, when we, um, when cars are launched, I still think there's a focus on parts. It's like we've changed springs and we've got this mass and we've got you know percentage stiffer roll bars and so on so forth but half of the car's driving behavior comes out of ones and zeros and you can have um especially on an ev where if you've got two motors deciding on where that torque goes versus a a diff that can lock versus um you know an active anti-roll bar system or um adapted damper controls you know you can Hugely change the character of a car and how it feels and drives, and you, on your fitted hardware, is identical. Mm. Um, and that uh, that takes a long time to develop and refine and make to feel cohesive. Um, it just really, really does because the scope of what you can do is
1: is so much bigger. More time than an equivalent internal combustion car. Do you would you say? If it depends
2: yeah. on the powertrain. Okay. Yeah, I think that um, if you've got a single motor at one end, probably not. Yeah. You've got um, brake pedal feel to worry about for certain mm-hmm. as the car switches from regen to actual brakes, you know, and they're getting better. Um, you know, original launch. I remember talking about iPace again, but iPace at 21 Modia had the new. Um, Bosch one box system go in and the pedal feel was much much better and in fact I think it's really quite good on that car where um, the car we had at home did fourteen thousand miles I think we did in a, in an i pace and you know, the brakes were barely used hmm. yeah you know, it, it took four thousand miles for the rear brakes to bed in or something I remember <laughs> I remember looking at the rear disc or, or thinking it's still not fully bedded in and the car done four thousand miles and it's because most of the time the brakes aren't working, yeah um, and then it will use the hydraulic brakes when you need to. Mm. Um, and that's actually from an idealistic perspective, that's great, isn't it? Oh yeah really't that, that it's the best energy usage so mm. what the energy I put in going forwards is put back in, slowing down, and that's actually what it's it's what makes an e v um, much less range sensitive to mass than a petrol car. So the heavier you make a petrol car, the worse worse the average fuel consumption. Mm. Whereas an EV that's not true because of yeah, the of energy of you put back under under yeah. regen. So um but all, but going back to that brake pedal feel you have to then decide how the hydraulic brakes are going to blend in mm. with the regen. Um and it's really hard to do it just by targets and metrics. You have to go and drive the car and get humans to give that feedback whilst taking measurements and understand how that interaction occurs so that you're in the main not aware of the switch
0: point is is there an argument that because we're so early on the road with evs that although high performance evs are being marketed already the development is still concentrating on just making them drive in a way that sells lots of them to ordinary people who just want to get from a to b and that once we get the foundations right then we can start concentrating about tuning yeah, them for
2: I think so yeah I, I think it all exponentially grow probably yeah. um, you know EVs um, uh, you've got a company like Tesla which is very much about changing the world by showing them how the, the, that an EV is the answer so they are um Probably they're, they're ahead in terms of knowing that an EV ownership experience includes a car. So Tesla say the, um, the point, what we want to do is get people from A to B without any emissions out the back of the car. Mm. So in order to do that, one, they need an um, electric car that does a long range, but two, they need a way of getting the electricity into the car so it's like an integrated solution. So that's why Tesla have won, isn't, it, if you like, they have the biggest sales is because they're like a total solution. Yeah. And I think the more traditional manufacturers have perhaps made an EV car and so there you go, there's a car and it's powered by electricity. And people are or like, well, well I, I can't charge it. What do I do with it now? You know, it's, yeah. it's like it's, it's like and and that, and that's that's one of those um, which I personally I think. Tesla deserve praise for in that sense that they've had that um, more holistic viewpoint of why create an electric car so um, people have been manufactured in catch-up and they're trying to sort of join that market by making an EV that is usable and does the miles and people aren't anxious about charging and and all those things are coming aren't they Um, but that's definitely been the focus to date and um, how many EVs are, are there out there that are built for the, the joy of driving, for want of a better expression? The, I, I'm trying to think of one.
1: Well, I mean, there was the original Tesla Roadster, and I'm not sure there's necessarily <laughs> been one since. No. Well, I mean, because even a Porsche Taycan, which is the best handling... Well, we, maybe, we've, na- we we've named it the most fun... It, because, yeah, yeah. Is, a, is, a, is a Panamera rival, really. Isn't yeah. You know, it's, yeah. not a, it's not a sports car, per se, in air quotes, you know. But it, it doesn't forget that it's a car that carries four
2: people and goes yeah. from A to B. Yeah. Uh, you know.
1: I mean, I am sort of overlooking the hypercars, but they feel like a slightly different sphere to me.
2: Yeah, I watched um, watched the Top Gear piece with the Rimac the, um, a couple of days ago, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like one of those things where it's hugely impressive and you can understand... Um, the passion behind it you know so they want to create a car that does that mm. um but you're still wondering about its relevance necessarily yeah. or uh i guess it's fun because it can do these mind blowing things mm. um but i don't know where that fits in with everyday ev in the garage fun. it's the weekend going to go for a drive
0: that's the thing yeah. is i guess at the moment fun evs drivers evs it's the focus is on the performance look what we can do yeah. look
1: how you, fast we can go 0-62 seconds yeah. mate yeah. wow yes once you've done that two or three times I was amazing. lucky
0: enough to drive the starred rallycross car so that's what 600 horsepower mm-hmm. twin motor that was a twin motor one 0 sixty in 1.8 seconds we did a launch control it's one of the most physically uncomfortable things that I've <laughs> ever done and I don't want to do it again yeah. so that, yeah. that performance trick is amazing but don't want to do it again but interestingly, with that car, what was great was the way the chassis worked. But then it's effectively an R5 specification rally car. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got very expensive dampers. And, but I didn't get out of it thinking that was fun for an electric car. I mean, the performance was too much, but then it has to do that to be a, a rally car. Yeah. But I got out thinking that was just incredible fun. It made me think, actually, this is possible. But obviously, there's quite a lot of expensive stuff that they yeah. can't put yeah. on a road car to make it work. But it showed that there is the potential there, I guess.
2: I don't think so. And as you say, it's interesting that I enjoy driving that car and it happened to be an EV yeah. rather than thinking, oh, for an EV, this is good. Yeah. Um, and actually, I will, I will admit the first time I ever drove an iPACE was the iPACE pace e-Trophy race car driving out onto a circuit. That was the first time I'd ever driven an electric, <laughs> and um, you no. Know, so you're approaching that thinking this is an EV, but it's also trying to be a racing car. Mm. Um, and or what's going to happen? And by my second lap, I'd forgotten that it was an EV, and I was just driving a car. Mm. You know, and um, left at braking straight away. Why wouldn't you? there was no gear change to worry about it didn't matter it, it 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 just it goes out of your mind you're just about when can i get on the throttle when do i need to brake when do i need to steer it literally made no made no difference and um i i found that interesting at the time that it, it was like it's just a car that happens to be ev powered and i think that's yeah um i think that's where the industry will is heading towards because i think to date evs have been um it's been about them being an EV. Whereas if you were to go, if you look at uh, different classes of car, whether it's an SUV in a or a sports car, the type of car it is defines it, not the powertrain inside it. Whereas EVs have been a little, little bit reversed. They've been defined by the fact they are an EV. Whereas I think it will become, in the future, it will swap again, where I want to have an estate car, I want to have an SUV. And it happens to have an EV, powertrain inside it uh, and I think that's where where the industry will get to um, but you've got to make people want to buy them so therefore making an EV different creates that reason to buy it doesn't it you know, this is something new and interesting
0: and do, do, do the tools that you have with an EV does it allow you to engineer in because I think for people well like me I'm not going to include my colleague here because he's <laughs> learned and you know the like but people like me that worried oh electric cars it's just going to be a skateboard platform and an electric motor and it's just going to, they're all going to be driving the same are there tools there that allow you to engineer in character so if you were blindfolded so I mean I definitely felt that when we drove the Taycan I felt if you could blindfold yourself and stick earplugs in yeah. still do like some Porsche. very dangerous driving as a result yeah. but you'd feel like you were driving a Porsche hmm it is possible, isn't it? I, I think th- yeah. chassis engineering. To make yeah,
2: it? absolutely. Because there's, it's already happening. You know, if you uh, if you put uh, best example I can think of, if you put um, a Q7, a KN, and a Eurus up on a ramp and walk underneath those mm. three cars, you'll you'll be playing a game of spot the difference. You will, mm. and then you'll see. Hang on a minute, this suspension arm's got Audi. On it and this has been this part's got Audi on it. And so, you know, so you got so and the and the McCann's very, very similar to the Q5, yet you would never accuse a KN, a Eurus, and a Q7 of being the same car or driving the same. Um, and it's that um it's where they get those differences from. I um I think in a suspension hardware perspective, you've got the metal parts and where they fit together, and then you've got the tunable elements of rubber bushes, springs, dampers, and so on, but also all of that software as well. So you can really change um, character on cars even though they are on the same platform. Um, I, I describe it in software terms as you the difference between software and calibration. So software is the algorithm of a driveline system that says, these are the inputs I have and this is what I and where they go and then the calibration is deciding what what they all do Um, so you could have your suspension hardware is your software it's got the same suspension arms and they've attached to the car at the same points but your calibration of it can be very very different and um, sometimes it's a hard sell to say well we've got this electronic diff and we fit it to 11 different cars Mm. and everyone goes well it's the same diff and it's like it, it, it is not the same diff because it does eleven totally different things, and and the end result is eleven different cars. You know, so it's it's uh, it's um, they're quite powerful. And I think EV gives you more flexibility because you can, within reason, decide what the powertrain does. Mm-hmm. You know, there's less restriction, but then with more freedom becomes more time to hone in on what it is you actually do want it to do because uh you know you could have an absolutely linear power delivery with an e v. which actually they probably are quite close to, and then you think, do I want that do, do I want to? yeah do i want
1: yeah, it to absolutely feel, do I want it to feel <laughs> faster as i push on yeah and then yeah
2: or do you want it to have something else and I think that they're it's um, the 80s
0: turbo lag yeah, yeah yeah
2: absolutely and and do you know what it's it's um my life 110 experience with my Alpine, because we've done work on a remap, for example, because mm. the engine is so tunable. Um, but you, I, I, in the end, I wanted less torque at lower RPMs than it was possible, because I wanted the car to have that building feeling. You know, mm. you could have put all the torque in and made it drive like a diesel, and you shift at like 4,000 RPM every gear, but that's not what the character is for. So you actually, well, that torque it can deliver. I'm not going to ask for that. And I want the torque to come in at higher revs. And then, then the car has this like mid-range surge and it kind of like encourages you to keep driving it. And it, it, was, a, it was a nicer character. Mm. Um, and an EV is different because there's no, it's not doing that six times. You know, it's like, it's, it's one gear it does it from yeah, zero yeah, to yeah. 80. Yeah. So how do you, where do you put the surge in or do you just make it, and do you change its torque versus throttle response? You know, the, the, and, and I don't, I actually don't know what the answer to that is. I think that's something that, is a, one of those time conversations, there's more yeah, refinement. a yeah. And um,
0: yeah, I, you, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I've certainly felt it recently that there is a, a change in approach from that very the very early EVs where it's like look we can give you all this torque instantly yeah so the original Kia e Nero, that you literally bonfire the tires coming out of the car park because it <laughs> <they> just bang <laughs> gave you all the torque as well, we can do it and the current car which has I, I'm assuming ostensibly the same motor mm. uh, but the mapping of the throttle is completely different it's a much more progressive linear delivery that actually feels more natural to drive so it doesn't feel as fast, but you get a building sense of, yeah.
1: And yeah. it's, well, I suppose, actually, that you know, but so I'm, I'm, a mate of mine was talking about, I used to be a motorbike journalist, and he said, You, the, the off road big adventure bikes have big thumping twins or singles. He said they are particularly useful in sand and mud or whatever because actually the torque delivery is not constant and linear, there's just a little pulse which actually helps you get traction or whatever. Yeah. I suppose, in a four by four, you can do that, can't you? You could map it so that it didn't just. Push three, you could, you could, you could map it so it, it, it did exactly what you wanted. I mean, I know heavy four x four is not always optimum, but you could, yeah, you can do that. You yeah. cannot do that with an ice.
2: Yeah, you know, um, you cups. can do it to a degree, like on a Land Rover train response, where mm. <clears throat> when you put it into sand mode, the throttle is really, really aggressive, <laughs> because in, in when you're in sand, you you want to deliver a, a dollop of torque to get those wheels moving. And that's how mm. it actually gains. It's like the opposite of um, what you want to do in snow. Totally different. Yeah. You know, on snow, you want the car to crawl away because the moment it starts the wheels spinning, you're done, isn't it? Whereas sand is the opposite. Um, so you can do that to a degree with an ice, but as with, a, with an electric motor, you could, yeah, you could be... absolutely do yeah. either thing. Um, and and it's, it's that. And that's why I think that most people... That currently buy EVs don't need 600 horsepower and 800 newton meters within a nanosecond of touching the throttle. They don't. They don't need it, do they? Mm. And if you were to and and I am you know I drive the ipace. I remember when I first got the ipace and I had my lad in the passenger seat and uh, and I said and I was like we're doing like 30 miles now and I was like just lean forward a bit and he's like what do you mean I said just lean forward a bit so and then as he started to lean forward I mashed the throttle and um, and he couldn't. And he was like throwing backwards, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I said. I said so I did, I did this to him about five times, and I, I and I was I thought it was hilarious, and he, and and, it, and it's like you put twenty quid on the, oh, the <laughs> yeah, right. it's yours, yeah. But it's totally, it's totally, totally pointless, totally pointless, isn't it? Yeah. It was like, um, and you think, well, this car has all that much performance that for the context of this car, it absolutely doesn't need, but also. So why has it got it? And the reason is because it makes no difference. It's, it's there for free. Yeah. You know, if you put four hundred horsepower petrol engine in a car, it's not going to be very efficient. Mm. Whereas on an EV, it still is. It, yeah. You know, and actually, if you have a motor at both axles, it's more efficient because you get regen off both axles. You know, so it's it's a it's a very different different equation. But you don't need to have that torque come in
1: immediately, do you? As no. you say and is there an advantage to a bigger motor because it becomes a bigger generator so you can regen you can stay in regen for longer under hard braking before you get into the
2: disaster? i actually don't know the answer to that question okay. in terms of like that that specifics
1: I'm quite sure regen at both axles will, will help won't it yeah.
2: but it's, re- regen
1: is not 100% efficient hmm. of course it's interesting so this handling test we did the other day how many cars do we have 11 feels slightly did you? <laughs> yeah, <I> did, yeah. <laughs> it felt to us like we're slightly in the infancy still of infancy is the wrong word maybe but not the most mature phase of delivering fun from an EV. and the ones that were quite wild seemed to just you get to mid-corner and they go I'll tell you what we should do now is put all the power to the outside at the back <laughs> so it's always, that's because we, good fun because we can because yeah. we can <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's uh, but it's it, I mean that tuned better could be quite hilarious yeah but
0: they, yeah they, it all seemed to be a bit like high performance look we can give you all the talk hmm. at once it all seemed to be as you, you were sort of saying wow look what I can do yeah look what I can do and it's, it was like exaggerated cartoonish so you're talking about Kia EV6 yeah
1: and the Mustang um, to yeah. an extent like which, you say, well, they just send all the torque to the outside rear wheel and yeah.
0: look, look how quickly I can go sideways. And actually, yeah. it's it's quite alarming when it happens. <laughs> I didn't find <laughs> it very fun. <laughs> um, but it, I guess it shows you the possibilities that you can do.
2: Yeah, I think it shows what's possible and what needs to come now is that cohesion between various attributes on the car on how they interact, isn't it? So then mm. it will... Send torque to the outside rear wheel in a way that's going to make the car feel neutral in its behaviour, but it's more subtle and nuanced in a way that you can actually keep it there and manage it, um, rather than it being a I can do this and isn't it fantastic? Mm-hmm. And uh, just hang on to that if you can. Yeah. You know. Whereas actually, uh, it's like um, it's like too many wow factors, isn't it? Versus something that's actually cohesive as a as a final product where you want to go and just drive it like that naturally. I, I do f- feel cars tend to have like a, a, a natural gait or natural driving style, if you if you like. If you just drive a car, you've got cars that are just happy to plod around quite slowly and in a relaxed way. And you've got other cars where they immediately want you to just, come on, you know, they, they give you that, whatever those signals are that say, come on, come on, just push me on a bit and drive me faster and you mm. you start exploring their capabilities and, and then they give you more back you know, and, and they um they want to go everywhere as fast as they can. They're, they're, there's, there's different cars, isn't there? And I think um uh EVs need to find those places really. I think one thing that's stopped um EVs today has been the the range and charging factor because you know if you were gonna um If you have your EV SUV, its usage profile is uh, such that when it does a long journey, you're going from A to B, therefore you plan where you're going to charge it, or you've charged it at home. If you've got an EV sports car, you might want to drive into Wales Mm. to go on some of your favourite roads. Well, then what do you do? Mm. Because the battery did 80 miles, it's run out, and you're in the middle of Wales. So... What do you now yeah and and that's 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 a real consideration for that e v enthusiastic market, isn't it? It because is i think yeah what are I you think. going to do yeah. and are, and so you either have more range or you end up with a you know a two and a half ton well, well, how how heavy is the Rimac it's a heavy it's a two ton car is it yeah i
1: think so yeah because i drove the pininfarina Batista, which is the same, and I think it's yeah. I think it I think it's maybe five kilos under two tons. So that's so they've gone, and that's all, car, and it's all carbon fiber. You know? Yeah. So so, but it's also got 130 also kilo got, like, battery yeah, or something, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. So they've gone
2: for, well, we're going to take the range anxiety away hmm. by giving it a huge battery. Hmm. <clears throat> and I've read that Lotus have gone for a smaller battery, and they're banking on people being able to charge it, you know, mm-hmm. the via. Yeah. So you know they're, they're those those approaches, and I don't know uh if you were to sell a car today you'd probably say the Rimac is the is a solution because you can use it because yeah. you can go and do yeah. long miles and use the performance and find somewhere to charge it mm-hmm. um, but so there's the that question of will the charging infrastructure support enthusiasts going to wales on their favorite roads or will technology mean that the range you know the the energy density of the battery Becomes such that a car that did 200 miles now does 400 mm. in the future.
0: So I, was, so, I was just about to. Of, coming on, I was just going to say, just sort of coming back to, to mass again. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Do you see, because I mean, we're all quite passionate about lightweight cars, obviously. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got a
2: Panda and an A110, yes.
0: Excellent choices, both. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a bit nuts about K trims, as, yeah. as are you. Do you see a future for the lightweight? Sports car oh, good as an EV, <clears throat>
2: uh, I am not sure because I don't have sight of a lightweight EV sports car at the moment. So I think the Alpine is actually an outlier because it's lighter than all of its equivalent petrol cars, anyway. Yeah, so if you were to go to an, an the more average position of a 1500 kilo sports car, you know, so what's that a top end? A Cayman is still 1450 kilos, isn't it? So, you know, could a 1500 kilo EV exist? Well, in some ways, you'd say the 1100 kilo Alpine suggests it could Mm. because it could be a 1500 kilo Alpine as an EV, couldn't it? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. sure. Yeah. So, so I don't think it'll ever be the same. Yeah. But it still feels to me like it could exist, mm. and then it comes. So we've made a fifteen hundred kilo EV, and it comes back to that thing we mentioned a, a minute ago, where it, if you to drive it fun as fast as it'll go, you'll get eighty miles out. And and that's, that's and if you get on yeah. track, maybe less. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is another conversation. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and and that and that it, it does come back to that, doesn't it? Um, it's an interesting point actually about you know going back to the i Pace e Trophy; those cars ran. Less power than a standard road high mm. pace, mm. so they did the same lap time so they they had the same performance for the 20 minute race. So there's no D rate, no cooling issues, nothing like yeah. that. But they, but it was done by having a, a permanently D rated power system because that's how it had to work. Um, so you can have a car that's consistent as an EV, you know, and it will do all these launch controls over and over again, but it, it can't do its absolute maximum every time. Mm. Um, because a, a Taycan does the best approximation of that, doesn't it? I, I think, think
1: so, I, yeah. But but also, you know, Porsche's, ICE Porsches tend to do the launch control the most consistent. It's, it's one and of the their best. USPs, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. You <laughs> can get into a 911 Turbo and do 2.9 seconds all day. Yeah. And on. it just seems to do it and do it. And do it I remember
2: that strong. when they launched the 911 Turbo because I, I met a guy who was... Part of the Porsche launch team, and he said they they had a nine eleven turbo s that went around the world doing launch control demonstrations and it, it, it just goes around the world and it just does it over and over and over again, and it doesn't stop and and that's there, but then they've engineered it to do it yeah you know they've said that's what it can do and I, I know I think they probably they may well have done the same thing with the Titan you know it's like well we, it needs to be repeatable it needs to do. 10 in a row all the same yeah. but it, could it do one faster than those 10 and that's what i don't i, I don't know. know you know because a, a 9 even yes. turbo will go as fast as it can but it keeps doing it yeah and what does it take to make it do something one off that's really really fast because a, a tesla ludicrous mode launch is impressive but you need to do like 33 different things and you know, pat your head yeah. and rub your tummy and yeah. all those things and then it will do it. Yeah, yeah. and my and,
1: understanding is they won't do it time and again and from sort of drag race videos that we occasionally yeah. do and things like that, you yeah. will find that Porsches will just do yeah. things over and again yeah. and other cars will not. Yeah. So
2: And, and that's just part of their engineering, or well, it's almost like a brand target set, isn't it? Yeah. You know, this is a Porsche, it stands for this, therefore it does it. Hmm. Um, but then it served them well as a brand for a long, long time, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. We are probably approaching... Near the end we can chat for about forty odd minutes or so. We should probably start thinking about have we got a conclusion. I'm not sure we have. I was just thinking more about, <laughs> I was thinking about track driving a minute ago I, I I had a I had a chat with Simon Saunders of Ariel a few weeks ago, and you know, they've got that hypercar. Yeah. They did some uh, they just took some V Box data of driving as fast as you possibly can on the road, sense, you know, sent to essentially to an extent, and then uh, driving around track and just just looking at the traces of each. And I think driving on track is, it can be like 10 to 12 times more energy than quick road driving. It's an astonishing amount, isn't it? It's astonishing. And that's, yeah. an,
2: that's an EV track versus EV road?
1: It was, I think at the time, it was ICE track versus Oh, ICE okay. Road. So, yeah, I was but sorry, so but it's- Yes, it's, but if you're, but yes, it, but you know, just to get an idea of, because they want to get an idea yeah. of how much, how quickly they would need to get power back into it. on. Service. That
2: makes sense. Because even though my A110 happily does 36 MPG, Day in day out, take it on track, or we'll do ten.
1: It's how it is, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 That's extraordinary. Yeah. So shall we wrap there? Yeah, I think so. David, I th- thanks very much, mate. It's thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for you along. Thank you for inviting me. Always no, happy no, 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 to no. express an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Well, that's yes. Well, that makes you uh, makes you not unique among engineers, but very <laughs> <pretty laughs> unique among engineers. Is that you are happy to do that? Um, thank you uh, for listening. Thanks, Diz um there are more autocar electric podcasts we've got we recorded that ev fun test one yes that's we've done this we're going to chat to the blokes from electrogenic hopefully yes hopefully that's, that's next only... week and there are more beyond beyond that uh, there are, there are other autocar podcasts there is my week in cars which is me and steve cropley which was initially down for 10 episodes but has been extended forever so that's great news and uh you can find us at uk. we've got an eight hundred thousand strong youtube subscriber youtube channel the magazine's on digital subscription and, of course, on print as it has been every week since 1895. And it's that time of year, makes an excellent Christmas present. So, thanks all. See you next time.